Welcome to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Hey guys, as always, welcome back to another episode of the Red Light Report. For those who, who are consistent listeners, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Vladimir out of Finland. I mean, what a brilliant mind and man, the dedication, the time and the energy to put together that photobiomodulation research database. For those that uh, went ahead and checked it out with the link that was in the show notes or, or the email that sent out for the uh, podcast, like, wow, it's a jaw dropper how much information he's put together and accumulated over the years, really. Sounds like a passion project and uh, something that anyone from an average or, or a new red light therapy enthusiast could certainly utilize all the way to a photobiomodulation researcher. Someone like Dr. Praveen Arani, to have that type of a resource is, is priceless. So I can't thank Vladimir enough for putting that together. And that's something he's adding to essentially on a weekly monthly basis. So the database is only growing and growing and growing. And again, don't forget that quick tip that he gave us all. If you want to do like a quick search of a particular condition that you want to see how red light therapy affects it, use the command F or the control F and then type in that keyword like diabetes or pain or stem cells, and that'll propagate all of the research he's accumulated based on that topic. So so please go ahead and use that resource or at least go check it out if you haven't already. Either check out that email relative to Vladimir's podcast or simply go to the podcast and, and go to the show notes and there's a link to go check out that database that he's accumulated and it's on Google Sheets that he he's keeping that database currently. So go ahead and check that out. But... Uh, actually, that's kind of a good segue into today's solo sode because uh, we haven't done this for a while. I've been covering really interesting, intriguing, and profound books and the topics within those respective books, but we haven't really looked at photobiomodulation research for quite some time. And of course, I've been compiling all of the red light therapy research that I'm finding on PubMed and then all of the research related to mitochondrial health or the mitochondria in general. And so I've been accumulating the research that I want to look over and uh, relay to you guys, both here on the podcast, but plus with the ebook and other resources, excuse me, that I'm compiling in the background here. So without further ado, well, actually, I take that back. There's one last thing I want to announce here before we get rolling with the research. And that is that towards the last week in September, possibly the first week in October, we are going to be dropping another product. And you'll hear it first here on the Red Light Report. So if you're tuning in weekly, you're not going to miss it and you're going to learn about it first. But stay tuned. Again, last week of September or first week in October, and it's not a Red Light Therapy specific product or it's not a Red Light Therapy device, I should say, but it is related to Red Light Therapy. So you'll know what I mean when, when you see the release and what it's all about, but I think it's something that every single one of you listening are going to be interested in. And whether you're a BioLite user or a different company, uh, a different brand of red light therapy, it doesn't matter which, which company you're using, you're going to be interested 
in this particular product. It's going to be ubiquitous within all of the red light therapy world, so to speak. So, so keep tuned or stay posted for that. I'm extremely, extremely excited about that product release. But without further ado, let's jump in to the research. And so we're going to cover a handful of articles today, maybe not go into like major depth into to most of them, but I, I want to cover an array of articles just to keep pressing upon you guys the wide spectrum of how red light therapy can be utilized and all these new ways that are continuing to come to the surface. One of them is going to be extremely unique later on in the episode. But this first article is from October of last year, 2022, and it's in the journal Photobiomodulation, Photomedicine, Laser Surgery, and it's entitled Effectiveness of Photobiomodulation Therapy in the Treatment of Myofascial Pain Syndrome of the Upper Trapezius Muscle, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. So in layman's terms, we're looking at how red light therapy affects pain of your upper traps. And if you're a human being that is ever stressed, <laughs> then you know a majority of that stress finds its way to those upper trap muscles. They become tight, they become rigid, full of what people would call trigger points or knots. And ironically, mine are a little stiff now, but I'm thinking that's because I just played volleyball for the first time in a couple of years with my wife and her friends. And apparently I'm compensating with my upper traps to hit the ball or who knows what, <laughs> but I could certainly use some red light therapy on my upper traps right now. But moving on with the article here, I don't have the uh, entire article. I just have the abstract for this one. But of course, as you guys know, by now, a systematic review and a meta-analysis is looking at all of the available research on a particular topic. And it's analyzing and synthesizing what all of that research on the particular topic says and what it means in the end. So they looked at a total of 17 studies that were included. And just going straight to the results here, the meta-analysis using a random effect model was performed to evaluate the effects of photobiomodulation therapy alone or photobiomodulation therapy plus exercise compared with placebo, medical treatment, physical therapy modality, manual therapy, or complementary physical therapy. And so jumping straight to the conclusions, they said that the present, this says systemic, it surely means systematic review, revealed that photobiomodulation therapy is an effective PT modality for reducing pain. Um, and again, PT is physical therapy. So it's, it's, a, it's an effective physical therapy modality for reducing pain and increasing PPT, which in this article means, I'm guessing it because it doesn't say here in the abstract, I'm going to guess it means pain pressure threshold meaning like if you were to press down on the muscle, how much pressure does it take to elicit discomfort? So it's an effective physical therapy modality for reducing pain and increasing pain pressure tolerance in patients with myofascial pain syndrome of the upper trapezius. So photobiomodulation, when combined with exercise, had more significant effects in reducing pain and increasing pain pressure threshold compared with controls. The low-quality studies with low to moderate quality of evidence limit the confidence in the effect estimate and recommend further high-quality studies for standardization of treatment protocols and irradiation parameters. 
And that's something, of course, guys, that we've heard time and time again, <laughs> that not uh, necessarily just because they did a systematic review and meta-analysis, does that mean that a bunch of high-quality studies were included? They're just taking what they're given in this instance. They are seeing beneficial results. I mean, that shouldn't surprise us because we know red light therapy with virtually all types of pains, especially musculoskeletal pains. In this article, we're looking specifically at muscle pain, which is partly due to the nervous system, of course, as well, based on my dry needling education. But regardless, we know red light therapy can help with virtually all types of pain by reducing inflammation, improved circulation, and optimizing cellular energy via the mitochondria. But to their point, it's hard to really decide or decipher how much or like the significance of the pain reduction. And furthermore, of course, something that, that we're all looking for in the red light therapy space is standardization of treatments and standardization of protocols, which necessitate standardization of irradiation parameters. So of course, that's something we all want for all red light therapy treatments going forward. But regardless, this just sheds light on another way that red light therapy can help reduce pain, in this instance, muscular pain. Did you guys know that it's teeth whitening season? Well, heck, isn't it always teeth whitening season? Who doesn't want to have the widest, brightest smile in the room? And not just that, but also receive the benefits of red light therapy for the oral cavity at the same time. The Guardian Plus, which implements both blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but also the red and near-infrared light for the red light therapy aspect for your oral cavity. We're all familiar with blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but did you know the blue light therapy is also beneficial for selectively killing harmful bacteria, leaving the beneficial bacteria thriving and well. And blue light therapy is also good for gum health and tooth sensitivity. And of course, we know the laundry list of things that red light therapy does for the oral cavity, such as gum health and gum pain, infections and inflammation, wound healing, gingivitis, oral mucositis, so on and so forth. So with the Guardian Plus, you get the best of both worlds. Whiten your teeth and improve the health of your oral microbiome. Moving on to the next topic or the next article. This one is from the same month that the previous article came out, ironically, or not ironically, coincidentally. October of 2022, from the same journal, Photobiomodulation Photomedicine Laser Surgery. And it's entitled Customized Photobiomodulation Modulates Pain and Alters thermography pattern in patients with knee osteoarthritis, a randomized double-blind pilot study. And so again, we're in the realm of musculoskeletal pain, but instead of muscular, we're looking at a joint with osteoarthritis, so a more chronic condition. This one would definitely be considered more difficult to treat compared to like a tight knotted up muscle like the upper traps. We're dealing again with chronic degenerated joints here with, with knee osteoarthritis. But like the last article, wasn't able to get the full, full article, so I just have the abstract to work with. But regardless, even from previous articles, we know red light therapy is certainly beneficial for treating the joints. And if you're going to treat the joints, you know that you need near infrared light because red light only treats the skin surface. So we need something that gets deeper. And so just looking at the abstract here, preliminary data showed that using an individualized treatment could solve contradictory results reported by previous studies. 
hence the customized photobiomodulation in the title. Uh, and based on the literature and our preliminary data on light absorption, the goal of the present pilot is to determine whether our individualized dosimetry is a feasible method to assist knee osteoarthritis or osteoarthritis in general pain control. The methods for this article or for this study was uh, this parallel two-arm controlled pilot study aimed to assess whether personalized photobiomodulation therapy can be effective in the treatment of painful chronic knee OA. 31 patients were randomly allocated into treatment and placebo group, which would be the sham irradiation, and the treatment procedure was performed only two times a week for five weeks. The photobiomodulation therapy was applied using 850 nanometer, which we know is the classic near-infrared wavelength that are used in a lot of devices out there, with a continuous wave and a total of 526 to 1,402 joules each session. And just for reference, that is a ton. That is a ton of joules, uh, a lot of light energy. For example, when you're treating your skin, like an anti-aging skin treatment is only a joule or two. And this makes sense in the sense that when you're treating something that deep, like treating your knee joint, it doesn't get much deeper than that, unless you want to talk about like the hip joint with all that tissue. But treating a joint, a major joint, is needing deep penetration. So it takes more light energy to get to that depth to have a therapeutic effect on that tissue. But even still, that's quite a bit. 500 to essentially 1,400 joules each session. Individualized dosimetry was chosen based on each patient's body mass index and skin color. So that's interesting, based on their size, how much fat tissue do they have, and what's their color of skin? Because just like uh, when you're treating pets and they have a darker fur, it's going to refract or deflect more light than if it's a brighter or whiter uh, fur. So likewise with skin color, the whiter your skin is, the easier it is for light to penetrate. The darker your skin, the more refraction, the more reflection you're going to have. So it's going to take even a higher dosage relative to a lighter skin color to get the same effect. But moving along here, Quality of life questionnaires and serum urine analyses were performed before and after treatment was over. And of course, since it's a double blind, both examiners and participants were blinded to group allocation. So now the juicy part here, the results. Pain scores were reduced significantly in the 4th, 5th, and 10th sessions and remained lower 6 weeks post-therapy in the treatment group when compared to the placebo group. So very interesting. Pain was reduced significantly. I don't know why 4th, 5th, and 10th. That's pretty interesting. But what's even more significant to me is that it remained that way for a month and a half, even when they ended the red light therapy treatments. So there was some carryover even once they discontinued red light therapy. But moreover, the treatment group's results were improved in quality of life questionnaire score, dopamine level, and in microcirculation. So those are also interesting take-home points. Of course, with reduced pain, you're going to have an increased quality of life. I mean, that's automatic. But to see an increased dopamine level, which probably had an effect on the pain level, it is pretty darn interesting. And something that 
you know, is not surprising is that improvement in microcirculation because we know that's one of the main pillars of red light therapy. Reduced inflammation, improved circulation, improved mitochondrial health, backslash ATP or energy production. And the conclusion of the study is the present results provide initial evidence that customized photobiomodulation reduce pain levels in short and medium term in patients with symptomatic knee OA when compared to placebo group. Furthermore, we have provided evidence that customized PBM is able to improve the quality of life of those patients. And so really, the take-home message from this for me, and it should be for you guys as well, is that's why you need to kind of discern when a red light therapy protocol is provided to you, you need to be taking these variables into consideration. A, what is the chronicity of the condition you're dealing with? Is it acute? If so, the dosage is going to be lower to get a positive effect. Or is it chronic? Because that's going to necessitate a higher dosage and more than likely more treatments to see a positive result. So again, back to acute, it's going to be potentially a lower dosage, but also fewer treatments to see your positive results. And then also, what is your age? Or what is your health status? Because age doesn't matter as, as much. It, it's about health status because you can have a vibrant 60-year-old who's going to heal better than a sick person in, in their 20s or even a teenager. So what's your health status? Because the healthier you are, the quicker you're going to respond to a given treatment, including red light therapy. And also it's going to take fewer treatments to see a positive result. Like this study utilized, what is your BMI? If you have more fat tissue and you're trying to treat a deeper tissue like the muscles or like the joint or like the nerves, it's going to require a higher dosage to see the same result as someone who has a lower BMI because there's less tissue for that light to go through. You're losing, if you have a higher BMI, you're losing more light in that adipose tissue. So you're going to have a higher dosage to get, let's say the goal is 10 joules to that muscle. Uh, it's going to require more time to get that 10, 10 joules to that muscle compared to someone with a lower BMI. So those are a handful of things to take into consideration. And then your skin color. Are you white? Are you black? There's different shades of black. There's different shades of white and in between. So where along the spectrum are you? And again, as a quick review, the whiter your skin, the lower the dosage it's going to require because there's less refraction and less reflection compared to someone with a darker skin it's going to require a higher dosage to get the same result. So you have to take all of those variables into consideration. And of course, medications that interact with light and what that can possibly do to your dosage. So that's why things can get so confounded and confusing. And red light therapy doesn't have this cookie cutter protocol system in place because our biologies from person to person is different. And we all react differently to a given treatment. So all of that to say, when you're using a treatment like red light therapy, I would always recommend going on the lower end of the spectrum dosage-wise, unless, let's say, you're a person with a, a higher BMI, you got a darker skin tone, the issue you're dealing with is, is chronic in nature, then you might be going towards the higher end of the dosage because you have all of those variables working against you, so to speak. If you're on the opposite side of the spectrum where you're, you're quite healthy, it's an acute condition, your health status is great, and you've got a, a, a lighter skin type, 
then you're going to want to err on the lower side of the spectrum. So take all of those things into consideration for a given red light therapy treatment that, that you're providing yourself. Or if you're someone who is providing red light therapy treatments to, to clients or patients, take that into consideration with each client because that way you're going to get a more personalized and likely a more accurate and effective treatment for that patient or client every time they come into your to your practice or to your clinic or to your spa or, or what have you. So, so it's just good to note that, of course, it's an N equals one and to adjust your protocol or adjust your dosage as necessary. Moving along to the third article now, and, and believe it or not, uh, again, this is a highly coincidental. This article is from October of 2022, and this is from Reviews in Neurosciences. It's entitled... Well, I look at it now and it says the print is June of 2023. It was published in October of 2022. I digress. It is entitled, A Systematic Review of the Effect of Photobiomodulation on the Neuroinflammatory Response in Animal Models of Neurodegenerative Diseases. So yes, this is not human studies. It's animal models. But this still elicits some pretty cool information. A lot of it we already know. But again, it just furthers what we know about the effects of red light therapy on, on the nervous system and neurodegenerative diseases. The abstract, and of course I didn't, couldn't get the full, full article on this bad boy, but uh, the abstract, it, it begins by saying, this systematic review examines the effect of photobiomodulation, the application of red to near-infrared light on body tissues, on the neuroinflammatory response and oxidative stress in animal models of neurodegenerative diseases. So neurodegenerative diseases are becoming ever more prevalent in the aging populations across the Western world, with no disease-modifying or neuroprotective treatment options being available. Hence, there is a real need for the development of effective treatment options for patients. Inflammatory responses and oxidative stress within the central nervous system have a strong correlation with the neuronal cell death. Photobiomodulation is a non-invasive therapeutic option that has shown efficacy and promising effects in animal models of neurodegenerative disease. Many studies have reported neuroprotection and improved behavioral outcomes. To the best of our knowledge, there has been no previous study that has reviewed the anti-inflammatory and the antioxidant effect of photobiomodulation in the context of neurodegeneration. This review has examined this relationship in animal models of a range of neurodegenerative diseases. We found that photobiomodulation can effectively reduce glial activation, pro-inflammatory cytokine expression, and oxidative stress, whilst increasing anti-inflammatory glial responses in cytokines and antioxidant capacity. These positive outcomes accompanied the neuroprotection evident after photobiomodulation treatment. Our review provides further indication that photobiomodulation can be developed into an effective non-pharmacological intervention for neurodegenerative diseases. So again, while uh, this isn't directly on human models, it's still some very profound and riveting results. It's the best of both worlds. It's reducing the activation of the immune system, the glial activation, and those pro-inflammatory cytokines, and of course, oxidative stress. 
get rid of the oxidation. Those are electron stealers, so to speak. And it does the complete opposite. It increases the anti-inflammatory component of the glials and the cytokines, and it increases the antioxidant capacity relative to neurodegenerative diseases. So in a sense, not only are you halting the potential root causes of neurodegeneration, but you're actually reversing it for the positive. You might actually be able to not only mitigate and prevent progression, but you may be able to reverse it and improve it and ameliorate it. Again, I'm not saying that's what the article says, but based on what they're presenting there, you could kind of see that potential occurring. And of course, like they they said in the beginning with, with neurodegenerative diseases, we're looking at Alzheimer's, we're looking at Parkinson's, we're looking at multiple sclerosis, we're looking at anything that degenerates the brain and deteriorates the nervous system. So if we have a a non-pharmacological, a non-invasive treatment that can, A, potentially prevent it, A, slow its progress down, or C, uh, do all of that and then reverse it, why the heck would you not try this or utilize it? And then for someone who, again, you're a healthy person, you know, you got your diet right, you got your exercise right, you're cleaning up your your light environment, both with the EMFs and then getting out the sunlight, you can still utilize this technology as a prophylactic technique, so to speak. So giving your brain consistent red and near-infrared light, giving your full body, your nervous system, that consistent near-infrared light, there's a likelihood you could prevent these type of degenerative, neurodegenerative diseases from occurring in the first place. So pretty cool article, even if it is specifically on animal models. Another interesting article, and this one actually is hot off the press, September 2023, which we're currently living in. It's entitled OLED, OLED, if you want to say it that way, organic LEDs. So OLED catheters for inner body phototherapy a case of type 2 diabetes mellitus improved via duodenal photobiomodulation. And this was the interesting one I was talking about, folks. And as a quick review, the duodenum is the part of the small intestine that follows directly after the stomach that leads to the jejunum. So with that in mind, I mean, we're talking again about red light therapy inside of the small intestine. And so looking at the abstract here, uh, they go on to say, phototherapeutics has shown promise in treating various diseases without surgical or drug interventions. However, it is challenging to use it in inner body applications due to the limited light penetration depth through the skin. Therefore, we propose an organic light-emitting diode, or the OLED, catheter, as an effective photobiomodulation platform useful for tubular organs such as duodenums. A fully encapsulated, highly flexible OLED is mounted over a round columnar structure producing axially uniform illumination without local hotspots. The biocompatible and airtight OLED catheter can operate in aqueous environments or aqueous environments for extended periods, meeting the essential requirements for inner body medical applications. In a diabetic Goto Kakazaki rat model, not sure what that means, I'd have to look it up, Goto Kakazaki, 
rat model, the red OLED catheter, delivering 798 millijoules, not joules, but millijoules of energy is shown to reduce hyperglycemia and insulin resistance compared to the sham group. Results are further supported by the subdued liver fibrosis, illustrating the immense potential for the OL, or of the OLED catheter-based internal photobiomodulation for the treatment of type 2 diabetes and other diseases yet to be identified. So, how crazy is that, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, this is truly the future of where photobiomodulation is going. We got these beautiful panels, we got these handheld devices, uh, we even have like these mats or sleeping bags, so you can do the external and get a little bit of internal, get a nice uh, full body systemic effect. But now with this type of innovation where we can go internal, and, and I've even read other, really the photobiomodulation textbooks and other research of ingesting capsules that would irradiate your internals are with red and or near infrared light. And so this is kind of a different take on that. They're using a catheter with OLEDs to, in this case, reduce or, or help with type 2 diabetes. And so it'd be really interesting to take this specific research, the next step, and compare one group that uses OLED photobiomodulation versus another group that doesn't use red light therapy, but instead just utilizes the traditional medication for type 2 diabetes and, and compare that over one month and three months and six months and 12 months and see who has better results and then B, compare the cost analysis of that. I'm not sure how expensive it would be because of course you can't just buy a catheter <laughs> online. This is more or less uh, some type of a medical procedure and this would be much more invasive than a panel but if you can circumvent being on diabetic medication in perpetuity, then I would do this. Like, let's say it takes, I don't know, two months, three months to normalize your blood and, and get out of the diabetic range. And then as long as you continue with your exercise and a quality diet, that continues going forward. Uh, whereas you can be given this medication and that's going to keep your blood sugar levels in check and then you can just do whatever you want exercise or diet wise and then you can just rely on the medication. And then what does that bill look like year after year after year? That's just where my mind goes. But very interesting article right there. Very cool innovation. And again, we can kind of see where the red light therapy space is going now. More specific, even more internal to the body. And so... I think this is just the tip of the iceberg for what the future holds for red light therapy. And then moving along to this last article, and this is probably a popular topic dealing with thyroid health. Really want to bring this one to you guys because I, I know along with skin health and pain, thyroid tends to be one of the top reasons people try red light therapy and tend to see some pretty darn amazing results. Uh, so it's always fun sharing the, these little tidbits that are new and novel when it comes to red light therapy and thyroid health. And so this one is relatively hot off the press, August of 2023, out of the Journal of Personalized Medicine. It's entitled, Efficacy of Combined Photobiomodulation Therapy with Supplements versus Supplements Alone 
in restoring thyroid gland homeostasis in Hashimoto thyroiditis, a clinical feasibility parallel trial with six months follow-up. And so most of you guys are, especially if you're dealing with thyroid issues, are, are pretty savvy with the ins and outs of thyroid health and thyroid diseases. So I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of that. But beginning here in the abstract, or in the intro, they go on to say that despite the current conventional treatment focuses on the permanent replacement of levothyroxine or LT4 deficiency, it appears that thyroid autoimmunity remains the cause of persistent symptoms in patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, even when they achieve to be euthyroid from a biochemical standpoint or a homeostatic thyroid. Uh, So photobiomodulation showed to be an effective therapy in the management of autoimmune diseases, but with limited evidence. Hence, our study was conducted to appraise the efficacy of photobiomodulation therapy with supplements in restoring thyroid gland homeostasis in patients with Hashimoto thyroiditis compared with supplements alone. And so in the study, they had 74 female subjects aged between uh, 20 and 50 years old, and they were equally divided into two groups. Of course, the first group with supplements and photobiomodulation, and then group two was supplements alone. Thankfully, in this article, they provided the, the protocols, so to speak. And so the treatment protocols were as follows. The wavelength, they used 820 nanometer. So they used exclusively near-infrared. And for reference, I've seen articles use just red, and I've seen articles use just near-infrared like this one, and I've seen articles use a combination of red and near-infrared. So with that thyroid just on the front of your Adam's apple location, that's a very superficial area, and that's a very thin piece of skin for the most part. So I could see how red alone could have its positive effects and penetrate the skin enough to have a therapeutic effect. But regardless, they chose to use 820 nanometers, so near-infrared, kind of on the the lower end of near-infrared, if you will, closer to red. The power output, they had 200 milliwatts, and that's not light irradiance, that's just power output, so don't get that confused with light irradiance. Uh, it was a continuous emission mode, so no, no pulsed frequency. The irradiating time was 20 seconds per point, so a total of 32 joules per centimeters per point, and they treated twice per week, excluding weekends. That's interesting they noted that. And the treatment duration was three consecutive weeks, so six total treatments. And if I pull up the full article here, we have... The supplements are uh, vitamin D3, received replacement according to their serum level, and a daily intake of 100 micrograms of oral selenium. And again, that was for both groups. So vitamin D3 to get them below 40 nanograms per deciliter. And again, that was received as a replacement according to their serum level. And then that additional 100 micrograms of oral selenium. And that was their first measurement, and that was prior to treatment. Their follow-up, their second measurement was three months post-treatment, and their third measurement was six months post-treatment. And just uh, if you guys couldn't guess, based on the treatment time to get that uh, joules per centimeter squared level, uh, they they certainly weren't using LEDs. I mean, a 20-second treatment to get 32 joules per centimeter squared 
So they did indeed use a laser. And as I'm looking here, they did a total of eight different points. So when you do eight times 32, that's why they got a total of 256 joules per centimeter squared. And so the total irradiation time was 160 seconds or uh, two minutes and 40 seconds. Again, a total of, of six treatments over three weeks. And these are the results that they found. So when you look at the BMI, the body mass index of the subjects, and you look at the group that didn't get photobiomodulation, their weight actually went slightly up throughout the study. They started at around 30.69 for BMI, and they actually ended at 30.92. So they went up. Whereas the photobiomodulation group, they started at 29.71, and they ended at 27.69. So they actually lost a couple of points. Whereas the other group basically stayed the same, but actually went up a little bit. And they add here in the results section that the analysis between groups that was produced for the time group factor showed a statistically significant difference in weight, BMI, hip and waist circumference, TSH or thyroid stimulating hormone, FT4, FT3, anti-TPO, anti-TG, and in the treatment dose of LT4. So all those last things have to do with treating the thyroid. And so in group one, which was the photobiomodulation group, the number of female subjects that needed 150 micrograms of LT4, so again, a dosage of to help with the thyroid. So the number of female subjects that needed 150 micrograms of LT4 decreased from four to one. So again, by incorporating red light therapy, they were able to decrease their dependency on dosages of LT4. And we've seen that in prior articles that deal with red light therapy and thyroid health, that actually a lot of the subjects were able to get reduce their medications in half, and some get off their medications altogether that are dealing with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And so it's no surprise that it also in this article we're seeing essentially medications being cut by 75% if you want to look at it that way. So a dramatic increase in all of those factors, the BMI, the waist to hip ratio, and all those other factors, the waist circumference in, all improved with the addition of red light therapy in tandem with the supplements that both groups got, that vitamin D3 and the selenium. And then I'll, I'll read this first paragraph here in the, the discussion portion because it has a lot of great points. Uh, they go on to say, our results demonstrated photobiomodulation to be positive and statistically significant results in improving thyroid gland function in patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis in terms of a reduction in the TSH level, an increase in FT4 level, and a reduction in the levels of anti-TPO and anti-TG antibodies. Despite our fi findings documented the need for LT4 replacement was reduced, our study importantly showed, for the first time, a statistically significant improvement in overweight management by reducing the BMI and waist and hip circumferences in the photobiomodulation group compared to the non-photobiomodulation group, whereby no statistically significant improvement was observed in the anthropometric measurements of TSH, anti-TPO, and anti-TG. The second paragraph here, I'm not going to read it, but it goes into 
depicting how their study and other studies have thoroughly demonstrated that these results that you see with red light therapy and thyroid health is also largely due to the anti-inflammatory component of red light therapy. And so you're seeing reduction in all these types of cytokines, all these different types of interleukins. And so, of course, with these things that they noted in their study, they are also known it's a contribution of reducing the inflammation, which is improving the health of the thyroid. And so, of course, we already know that, but they're just given a tip of the cap to reducing inflammation. And so towards the end of the discussion here, they go on to say photobiomodulation therapy evidence to be a non-invasive and safe interventional tool in increasing thyroid hormone levels and improving thyroid function. Additionally, it is noteworthy that no adverse effects were reported in our study, which is in agreement with the well-documented literature that photobiomodulation has no risk in developing malignant nodes even after a long-term follow-up of six years after photobiomodulation therapy. So that's another great take-home point is if you're dealing with thyroid issues and you're hearing this type of research, again, it's a low-risk, high-reward, very safe And likely, if you use it correctly, you're going to see some beneficial effects with thyroid health utilizing red light therapy. And so for conclusions and future direction, they conclude, our results for the first time show that photobiomodulation therapy is effective not only in improving thyroid gland function, but also in reducing the level of antibodies that are responsible for damaging thyroid gland structure in patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, as well as reducing the need for LT4 replacement and most importantly, in reducing excessive weight that persists in patients with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, even in the U-thyroid state. Our encouraging results demonstrated the efficacy of photobiomodulation when it is delivered at a lower fluence in conjunction with supplements in the treatment of Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Hence, extensive studies with longer follow-up periods are warranted. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, another amazing article and another feather in the cap of red light therapy's effect on thyroid health. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, right? Uh, not only do you help with the thyroid health, but then you also have this other component of helping with weight loss, which is a major issue when you're dealing with hypothyroid issues because of that decreased metabolism. So it's amazing. And, and it further proves upon the point that red light therapy can help reduce your weight. It can help with fat loss. And so I know this study wasn't looking specifically at that, but it's part of the results, reduced BMI, reduced hip and waist circumference and and that ratio. So pretty cool to see that, uh, those types of results with this study. But that's all I have for you today, folks. I mean, I think that was a pretty well-rounded review of some of the available photobiomodulation and and mitochondrial health research. But please stay posted for, (laughs) for the rest of these weeks in September and going into October. I have many exciting interviews that I'm looking forward to share with you guys. And again, as a quick reminder, look forward to that new BioLite product. Again, not red light therapy device product, but a new product that any red light therapy enthusiast is going to absolutely love. So stay posted for that later this month in early October. And as always, guys, if you've enjoyed this information and you feel like you've learned a lot throughout the time uh, that you've been listening on the Red Light Report, uh, please take the quick 15 to 20 seconds to go leave a five-star review either on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. 
You don't have to leave a review unless you feel compelled to do so. But just by leaving that five-star review, it'll help more people find this podcast, which ultimately it's about them finding the information to help impact their health and wellness. And so if you could do that for me, of course, I'd be grateful. But as you know, enjoy your your week, get outside, get your sun, get your grounding, protect yourself from those non-native EMFs. And I'll see you guys next week. As always, light up your health. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.